Morning, sports fans, betters, and cappers, and welcome to the Daily Competitive Hedge Podcast. I'm your host of the show, Kenneth Cotterell, and this morning's show is all about sports and the world of betting. We talk about a few results and headlines from yesterday's games before we get into today's slate and talk about what games are on, what bets we like, and we cap it off with our favorite early plays of the day. Now, our episode today is brought to you by Bet99, which is our betting sponsor. Bet99 is a Canadian sportsbook and casino that offers in-play betting, player props, a cash-out option, and many more great products. There are a variety of sports available on the website to bet on, and Bet99 works smoothly on both desktop and mobile, and the mobile app can be downloaded from the homepage of the website. Depositing and withdrawing funds is hassle-free with a number of well-known methods available to use, so you know your money is safe and secure. The website can be viewed in both English and French, and customer service is available 24-7 with their live chat option. So go ahead and head over to bet99.com today. Always bet responsibly. Uh, We cannot preach that enough. You must be 19 plus years of age as well, and let's make some money. So last night's bets, we're having a tough start to the month of August. Let's just be honest. We went 0-3 last night. Even when we're talking about the five plays that we talked about yesterday morning, only one of them was a winner, which was the Orioles over the Rangers, but wasn't an official play on the card. We had the Aces and Mystics over 165 and a half. Looked like it was on pace, but then a flat fourth quarter means they go under in that game. The Giants, once again, we get burned on the money line versus the Dodgers. Down 6 nothing, They make it 6-5 and end up losing 9-5. And then the Miami Marlins versus the Cincinnati Reds. They lose outright 2-1 at home. So that was another tough result for us yesterday. But that was yesterday. This is today. We're focusing on today's plays. So the day that was recap. MLB lines from yesterday. We had a full slate of MLB games. Uh, we had the Padres and Rockies. They had a doubleheader. The Padres won 13 to 5 in the first one and then 3 to 2 in the evening. We had the Nationals 5 to 1 over the Mets. The Mariners pick up a road win 8 to 6 over the Yankees. The Pirates win 5 to 3 over the Brewers. The Blue Jays win 3 to 1 over the Rays. The Diamondbacks win 6 to 3 over the Guardians. The Braves blow out the Phillies 13 to 1. And then the Tigers beat the Twins 5-3. Cardinals shut out the Cubs 6-0. We already talked about that Orioles game. The Red Sox win 2-1 over the Astros. The White Sox 9-2 over the Royals. And the Angels 3-1 over the A's. Now on the WNBA side, we saw the Connecticut Sun. They blew out the Phoenix Mercury 87-63 at home. The Mystics, as we talked about, they beat my Aces 83-73 at home. The Liberty blew out the Sparks 102 to 73. And one of the other plays we talked about yesterday morning was the Chicago Sky and how we like their spread. Well, they lose 
outright at home to the Dallas Wings, 84-78. Now, it was also the MLB deadline yesterday. There were quite a few moves yesterday, starting with the Juan Soto sweepstakes, and those are now over. He and Josh Bell are heading to the San Diego Padres. The Padres are clearly going all in, especially after their move for Hayter yesterday. And so they make a massive splash with Juan Soto, the 23-year-old, one of the best players in baseball. Joey Gallo finally got what he was wanting. He got traded to the Dodgers from the Yankees. I still have a dream scenario where we get a Yankees-Dodgers World Series and Joey Gallo comes back to hit a home run. But he hasn't been playing well. Hopefully the fresh start, he'll start to improve. The Jays made some moves yesterday. They got Zach Pop and Anthony Bass from the Marlins, and they also got Whit Merrifield from Kansas City. They're trying to ensure that they're in that wild card situation, and then anything can happen once you get into the playoffs. Eric Cosmer, while he didn't want to be get dealt in that uh, Juan Soto sweepstakes over to the Nationals, he did get dealt to the Red Sox. Happy Red Sox fan here to welcome Eric Cosmer. And then Noah Syndergaard, the, the Jays thought that they were getting him, but he ends up getting dealt to the Phillies. There are plenty of other big moves as well. Definitely go and check out uh, anywhere you get your MLB news in order to find some of those deals. Jeff Passan for me is the one on Twitter. Now, the Denver Broncos also yesterday had to announce that Tim Patrick's going to miss the season due to a torn ACL. We hear about these injuries all the time, unfortunately. Once training camp rolls around, there seems to be one every couple of days. And Tim Patrick was the first to experience that. Now, he was the third option in that Broncos offense. Means that they're going to rely more heavily on Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. Also means KJ Hamler could get more involved in that offense as well. They've got the two tight ends there. They're still trying to determine who's going to be tight end. One between Big Albert and then Dulcich, the rookie. So maybe one of those tight ends sees a few more targets now that things are opening up for them. Now, let's move on to today. We're not going to talk about yesterday anymore because let's face it, it's depressing when you go 0-3 and, and we're looking to get back on track. So today we've got a lot more baseball, some WNBA games once again, but we're also going to preview uh, the Wyndham Championship on the golf side of things. Now, this one won't start until Thursday, but because we do the live show in the morning, we don't apparently don't go early enough because guys will be teeing off by the time we go live. So we want to make sure that we get you all of our golf plays right away. Now, Wyndham Championship, they're playing it at Sedgefield Country Club. That's in North Carolina. Par 70 track, just over 7,100 yards. This was one of my favorite events, actually, from last year, and it's because of how it finished. It was a six-man playoff. It ended up being won by Kevin Kisner, and so this is always one of those events that I love. It's not the most loaded field. You're not going to see the Rory's of the world or the Justin Thomas's, but there are some quality players in this field, and there's a lot of value here. We went positive last year with this event, and we like to think we're going to do so again this year. So let's start with our winner plays. These are Two plays that we like, both half-unit plays. So obviously, uh, don't put the put your house on these ones. But Will Zalatoris at plus sixteen hundred. He was t twenty nine here last year, but that's only five back. Like this was a loaded leaderboard and it was very tight. So he needs to pick up that first victory. This feels like one of those events that he could potentially do so. And I really like Will this year. He's obviously he had three top fives in the majors. And he even played well at the final major as well. So Keith Mitchell at plus 4,900 is more of a long shot. He was T55 here last year, which was 10 shots back. 
I love the value, though. I think Mitchell's due for a PGA Tour victory, and so plus 4,900 is one that we like. Then top 10 finishes. We got a couple of guys there. They're both one-unit plays. Really like Russell Henley this week at plus 275. He was one back of that playoff last year, and so he clearly loves this track, and I think he's in a great position in order to finish top 10. And then Adam Scott, a guy who was a part of that playoff last year, He's plus 380. He's not playing the best golf. He needs to get a good result. And I think playing a course that he likes is a good way to do so. So I love that top 10. And then two top 20 finishes as well. These are both one unit plays. Kevin Kisner, the defending champ at plus 175. How can you not love that value? Uh, I think Kisner is a guy that clearly loves this course and is going to play very well. And then Kevin Streelman at plus 285, who played well here last year. I think he's going to do so again this year. Really love going with guys who clearly like the track based off of how they've played in the past. And so those six guys are the ones that we're rolling with for the Wyndham Championship. Now, MLB and WNBA today. We'll start over at the WNBA, the Fever and Dream. Uh, Both teams that are absolutely sliding. Fever have lost 14 straight. Dream have lost four in a row. Uh, The Dream are pretty heavily favored. There might be one of our plays uh, later on today. Then we have the Sparks and Liberty, who just went at it last night. They're playing a doubleheader in New York, and so the Liberty, they blew them out. Not sure how I feel about picking them once again, uh, given these are two of the weaker teams in the league, but nonetheless, that's one of the plays out there. And then the Seattle Storm at home against the Minnesota Lynx might be one of our plays as well. Now on the Diamond, we got a couple early games today. These are both just after noon that they first pitch goes out you got Toronto with Kikuchi going versus Beaks uh neither of these guys I'm betting today uh I just don't trust it Toronto's minus 120 on the road that just to me feels like a trap and I'm not sure where to go with it I kind of like the over seven and a half if I'm talking any of the any of the plays there Atlanta and Philly play today the Braves are minus 140 they've got Morton going against Wheeler uh, the Yankees and Mariners, their first pitch goes out just after one o'clock Eastern time. A lot of afternoon baseball today, or if you live where I do, it's morning baseball. You got Luis Castillo, the new addition for the Mariners going against Garrett Cole, the ace for the Yankees. Then you've got the Twins and Tigers. The Twins are minus 210. They've got Ryan going on the mound against Alexander for the Tigers. I like the over eight and a half there. Won't be an official play, but it's one that I'm eyeing. Then you've got the Guardians, minus 220 today against the Diamondbacks. They lost outright yesterday, but they've got Bieber going today, their ace. He's 5-6 and six with a 3.41 ERA, but that's not on him. A lot of it is not getting run support from his team. Then you've got the Rangers, minus 155 versus the Orioles. They've been favored the last couple days and lost outright both times, so I'm staying away from this game as much as I would like to take the Rangers. I just can't do it, and I also can't bet the Orioles to win three in a row. I just don't have it in me. Then you've got the Astros, minus 210 versus the Red Sox. You've got Yerkity versus Bello. Uh, Another one that I kind of like the over. It is eight and a half, though, so it is pretty steep. Then you've got the White Sox, minus 150 versus the Royals. You've got Lynn going. Uh, I am a big Lynn guy. He is one and four, though, with a 6.42 ERA. He really needs to rate the ship. The Mets are minus 240 on the road against the Nationals. You got Bassett against Sanchez. Sanchez pitched well his last time out, but I like to think that the, the Mets should be able to win, potentially cover that run line as well. The, My, the Miami Marlins are minus 200 today against the, the Reds. You got Alcantara. He's 
he goes long for this team. Uh, they always seem to have him go seven, eight innings. I think he's got the most uh, quality starts this year in the majors. He's just a pitching machine. He's going up against minor. Um, this one isn't a part of our card, but I'm definitely going to be betting the run line on the Marlins at plus 115. Who knows? Maybe it might make it into our card, the parlay, depending on how the day goes. Beetle versus Peralta in the Pirates versus the Brewers. The Brewers are minus 210. They had Burns going yesterday, though, and lost outright. So a little bit of cause for concern there. You got the St. Louis Cardinals are minus 175 versus the Cubs. You got Mikolas taking on Steele. The Angels are minus 240 versus the A's. Otani pitching versus Caprillion. And then you got the Padres and Rockies who have Snell and Cool going. And then the Dodgers are minus 165 on the road once again against the San Francisco Giants. Urias pitching against Cobb. So let's end off the show by talking about that early hedge five. These are the early five plays that we like. Uh, We're not going to bet them right away. We want to wait until final lineups come out. Maybe see if some line changes are there as well. But these are the five plays that as of right now, we're on that we like and that we're going to be betting today. So we're going with the Fever plus nine and a half versus the Dream. The Fever are bad, but the Dream aren't much better. And despite losing 14 in a row, the Dream haven't played well either. That's a lot of points to be giving a team. I know they're at home, but I do think that the Fever find a way to cover tonight. They're going to keep it close. I don't think they'll win outright, but I do think this will be a tight game between two bottom feeders, let's face it, in the Eastern Conference of the WNBA. Then you got the Storm, minus six and a half versus the Lynx. Stewart and company need to get back on track. They need to start racking up some wins. Uh, They're falling behind a little bit in that Western Conference. Luckily, the Aces have stumbled as well, but the Lynx winning two straight has me a little bit concerned, but they still are the bottom of the West. They beat some bad teams, and I think the Storm really lay it to them tonight, winning by double digits. Then I like the Guardians run line versus the Diamondbacks. As I said, Beaver's going today. He just needs a little bit of help from his friends. That's a Beatles reference. And then what he's going up against Tommy Henry. I just don't love that matchup for them. I think that Cleveland's going to blow the doors off of him, and Bieber's going to pitch a gem today. Also rolling with Yankees run line versus Seattle at plus 120. I know Castillo's good. He's joining his new team, but that's got to be tough in his first start. And I think Cole... Uh, he's always a safe pick when he can go seven, eight, nine innings. And so I like the Yankees run line today at plus 120. And then the Braves money line versus the Phillies at minus 140. Morton versus Wheeler. Braves are at home. I really like this matchup for them. And so I'm rolling with the Braves today against the Phillies. But thank you everyone who tunes into our live show every morning. NFL previews have started uh, today. If you're going to be listening to the audio version of this show, stay tuned for our Ravens preview. We ran solo for that one, but talked a lot of fantasy value, some bets, and also football in general. Uh, Different team every single day, 32 teams in 32 days. And we got EPL starting up right away as well. Stay tuned for that. In the next couple of days, we're going to start putting out some more EPL picks as well. Now let's get into our NFL preview for the Baltimore Ravens. Welcome back to the Competitive Hedge Podcast. It is August 3rd, which means our third NFL team preview is here. So far, we've talked about the Cardinals and the Falcons, a couple of teams out in the NFC. But today we are moving over to the AFC, specifically the AFC North, to talk about the Baltimore Ravens. Now, the Ravens were 
a playoff team for many, many years, but last year they saw a bit of a change. So the Ravens in 2021, for those of you that didn't know, they finished the year eight and nine. Now they looked like a playoff lock through the first 12 weeks. They were sitting on an eight and three record. They had big wins over teams like the Chiefs, but then they lost their last six games of the year to miss the playoffs. And so a lot of that had to do with injuries. Baltimore was probably one of the most injury-riddled teams in the league last year. But they went out this offseason. They made some moves to try and improve their team. But they also lost some players as well. So we're going to touch on those quickly. They went out and added Kyle Fuller and Brent Urban on the defensive side of things. Unfortunately, though, they lost Villanueva on the offensive line to retirement. And then they lost a lot of weapons when it comes to their passing game they lose out on Sammy Watkins who moves on to Green Bay Boykin is out and then Hollywood Browns shockingly was traded to the Cardinals and then they went out they drafted safety Kyle Hamilton and center Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa in the first round so they did try and replace some of those players but there's going to be some pretty high expectations this year for Baltimore And those expectations start with getting back to the postseason. I think this is a team that, despite the injury issues that they had, if they're healthy this year, then they are a team to be reckoned with in the AFC. Now, one of the big positions that they had injury issues on was at the running back position. They had J.K. Dobbins, who was hurt. Gus Edwards missed time. They had to bring guys in like Le'Veon Bell to take snaps. So they went out they signed Mike Davis in the offseason as well they're going to get Dobbins and Edwards back this is a team that relies heavily on the run game on their offense and now that they have some running backs available we may see that improve but they're also one of the better defenses in the league as well and so that cannot be understated heading into the year now one of the big offseason storylines has been Lamar Jackson specifically regarding his contract extension because A good buddy of his, Kyler Murray, goes out and he gets paid. Five years, $230.5 million. Now, how does this affect the market for Lamar Jackson? We talked about how Kyler got paid off potential when we talked about the Cardinals a couple days ago. But Lamar not only has potential, he's also a former league MVP. So, unless he's willing to take a pay cut, we're going to see Lamar Jackson join that elite company as far as getting paid goes for quarterbacks. Now, Aaron Rodgers, as far as average per year, is the highest paid guy in the NFL. He is just over $50 million after his extension that he signed in the offseason as well with Green Bay. Then you've got Kyler Murray, who we discussed, Deshaun Watson as well, making $46 million a year. And then you've got Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen making roughly $45 million each. So, Where does this leave Lamar? I think we're looking at that $47-48 million range because we are talking about a former league MVP and he's going to look for the five-year deal. I think we could see five years 240, five years 235, somewhere in that range. But the Ravens are looking to lock up their quarterback moving forward because especially when it comes to the AFC, we know that there is a ton of talented young quarterbacks in that conference even within his own division you've got Joe Burrow who's going to be due for an extension soon we see Justin Herbert we already mentioned Mahomes and Allen this is a very loaded conference when it comes to quarterbacks 
And so Lamar's going to command the bag, but he's also going to have to live up to that bag, and I think he's going to be able to do so. Now, when we're talking about the Ravens heading into the season, Vegas has them at over-under 9.5 wins. Now, they're banking on them going the over. You can tell that from the lines. Yes has it at minus 148, and then no going under they have at plus 120. The Ravens do have the 11th easiest schedule heading into this year. When we're talking about within their division, because that's going to take up six of their 17 games, you get to take on a Pittsburgh team that no longer has Ben Roethlisberger. That looks like it will be Mitchell Trubisky. Maybe we see Mason Rudolph. Maybe we see the rookie there as well. But Pittsburgh's not going to have a great offense. The defense will be strong. But if you're Baltimore, you have to be looking at that Steelers team as one that you should be beating twice and sweeping the season series. Then you've got Cleveland, where unfortunately you don't get the benefit that it's looking like six other teams are going to get, which is playing a Cleveland Browns team without Deshaun Watson. They play them later on in the year, so you're going to have two tough matchups with Cleveland. And in Cincinnati, we're talking about a team that went to the Super Bowl last year, so another tough test there. But then it gets interesting when you look at the rest of their schedule. They they open with all four AFC East teams the first four weeks. So you would hope Baltimore goes out, they beat the Jets, they beat the Dolphins, Pats and Bills maybe you split. So you could come out of there 3-1, and one, potentially 4-0 if all goes well. And then we're already talking about the fact they may win three or four games in the division. And then you look the rest of the way, you've got the Giants, who are not a team that's competing this year. The Buccaneers will be a Super Bowl contender. Tough game there. You have the rest of that division, though, in the Saints, Panthers, and Falcons. you got to believe that you can win a couple of those games, and then you have the Broncos. So for me, this is one of my locks as far as NFL future bets go, which is Ravens over 9.5 wins at minus 148. They're not going to absolutely blow that away. I think they're going to be at 10, possibly 11 wins. But looking at that schedule, I think it really benefits them, which also means that you should be looking at Ravens minus 150 to make the playoffs. 10 wins you should be in in that AFC. It's going to be an absolute dogfight with all the teams that are there. But I like to believe that the Ravens at minus 150 to make the playoffs is another pretty safe bet. Now, the Ravens are also plus 165 to win the division. And uh, this changed quite a bit, especially once we're going to find out how many games Deshaun Watson gets because just the fact that he will at minimum be missing four to six games I think takes Cleveland out of contention. You can already take Pittsburgh out of there. So to me, it's a two-team race in this division. Cincinnati would be their only real challenger. I think Cincinnati is the tougher schedule so I like Ravens plus 165 to win the division if you're looking for some value there on the betting side with Baltimore. Now, when we get to the fantasy side of things, this is a tough team to pin down where the value really is. Now, quarterback, obviously, we talked about Lamar quite a bit already. He's going to be QB4. His ADP is 49. He's only trailing Herbert, Mahomes, and Allen. Now, that being said, you still have to give up a fifth-round pick, potentially fourth-round, depending on your league, in order to draft Lamar Jackson. Now, in saying that, 
that also means that you have to give up on drafting players like the wide receiver duo in Denver, Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. We already found out today, or yesterday, sorry, that Tim Patrick's going to be done for the year. And with Noah Fant getting shipped off in the Russell Wilson trade, there's a lot of value to be had in that Denver offense with Russell Wilson at the helm. You got J.K. Dobbins, his running back there in Baltimore, that you may want to pick up. You've got Amari Cooper, who while he may have Jacoby Brissett the first four to six weeks, you will also get him later in the year come playoff time with a healthy Deshaun Watson and then Josh Jacobs for the Raiders. So you are giving up quite a bit to reach and take a quarterback in the fourth or fifth round, knowing the quarterbacks that are there down the road. But if you like Lamar, you know that he's good for 50 to 60 rushing yards a game. He may throw for another 150 to 225 on top of that, throw in a couple touchdowns, and he's a pretty safe fantasy quarterback. Running backs, we already talked about J.K. Dobbins. Running back 23, he's got an ADP of 50. This has always felt like a running back by committee in years past, but that may be shifting this year if Dobbins is ready to go for this offense. Now, Ian Rappaport reported that he may not be ready. Dobbins tweeted at him and said, I will be. So he believes that he's going to be ready for week one. And the fact that the next running back of this committee isn't for another 132 spots appears that J.K. Dobbins is going to get the majority of carries. Now, that being said, he may get the majority of carries, but touchdowns is where you get a little bit concerned with this Ravens offense. Lamar Jackson's a phenomenal talent. But he also steals a lot of those red zone touchdowns where he may go to an option style, run it in himself, and that can hurt you from a fantasy perspective with uh, Dobbins. That being said, this is a run first offense. Firmly believe that J.K. Dobbins, the fact you can get him in the early fifth round, maybe late fourth round, depending how your league values running backs, this is a pretty good option in order to draft him. Given he has the injury history, you may want to stash Gus Edwards a little bit later on, and you know you can get him probably in the last round of your draft. Now, from the wide receiver perspective, we already talked about the fact that three of their receivers departed. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you to draft Devin Duvernay. He's a waiver wire guy. His ADP is 210. Not a guy that I'm crazy about in fantasy. So he's not somebody that I'll be picking up. Now, on a bye week or injury issues, will I look at Devin Duvernay and really contemplate it? Of course, because you know he can explode for a big touchdown at any moment. But the lone wide receiver to own in this offense is Rashad Bateman. Now, Bateman, he's been mentioned on the last couple of episodes because there's been other receivers that we've talked about that are kind of in his range. He's wide receiver 28, which means he's between... DeAndre Hopkins, Drake London, as well as Davis. Now, he's the clear number one in this offense from wide receiver standpoint. He is not the true first receiving option, though. So if you are drafting a guy like a Rashad Bateman, you have to know that you're drafting this team's second option. We talked about Drake London. He's going to be number one in that offense in Atlanta. They don't have a lot outside of Kyle Pitts, perhaps. And then you have DeAndre Hopkins where, while he may be missing time, we know when he comes back, there really isn't a big comparison between these two players. Gabriel Davis is the number two in Buffalo. And even Devonta Smith after that in Philadelphia, he's not going to be the number one option in his offense either. 
So Bateman is a pretty good option there. I would think that he'd be a great flex play. You're looking at seventh round for him, potentially eighth if he slips. But Rashad Bateman is a guy that I think has some pretty good fantasy value given where he's at. To me, the biggest value in this offense and also the biggest gamble is Mark Andrews. At the tight end position, they are ranking him very highly. He is currently tight end two. Now, even going back to a couple years ago, ADP 17 for a tight end meant you were drafting Travis Kelsey. And that was Travis Kelsey with a Patrick Mahomes at the helm. Now you're looking at Kelsey is a little bit earlier. He's going in at an ADP of 12. You got Kyle Pitts almost a full round later at ADP 28. So you're taking a gamble here. If you're drafting Mark Andrews, you're likely having to take him in the second round. If you're very fortunate, early third round. And you have to think of it as he is your number one receiving option for your fantasy team. Because other wide receivers in that range, Tyree Kill in that Miami Dolphins offense, you got CeeDee Lamb, you've got Debo Samuel. So while I like Mark Andrews, I'm not sure if I'm willing to give up that second round pick in order to take a tight end. If I am, it's because I hope Travis Kelsey slipped and there's not a lot of other options there. Now defense-wise, they're the fourth-ranked defense. You're going to play the matchups when it comes to this team. You're not going to be starting them against Cincinnati. You're not going to want to start them if they play a team like Buffalo. But you can start them the majority of weeks, and that's all you can really ask for from a fantasy defense. You hope for a couple turnovers, a couple sacks, if you're lucky, a defensive touchdown, and then you call it a day. So what are my expectations for the Baltimore Ravens heading into this year? I think a realistic expectation is that they win this division. Cincinnati, they may have a Super Bowl hangover coming. They may continue to improve. But at the end of the day, this Baltimore Ravens team, when healthy, has been one of the more dominant teams in this division, and they should be competing for a division title. I think Lamar Jackson's a very good quarterback. I need to see him do it in the playoffs as well. I'm not prepared to take Baltimore any further than the playoffs until they prove it to me that they can even win a single game. And if they're able to do that, then I'll have a bit more faith in them moving forward. But at the end of the day, this was the Baltimore Ravens NFL preview. We ran solo for this one. Apparently, we got to find more Ravens fans for this show so we can bring some guys on to chat about their team. That's not going to be the only team that we have where we run solo, but this was our first and certainly won't be our last We appreciate everyone who tunes into our show every single day. Go and give us a five-star rating on Apple and Spotify, and we will see you guys tomorrow for the Daily Competitive Hedge Podcast.